0: geek and spiel podcast thank you for joining us today uh my name is jacob
1: and i'm jeff
0: emily and sean will not be joining us today they had a wedding yesterday uh they were off being social and having friends and i don't know what that's like do you know what that's like jeff
1: um no it i i don't have any friends I don't know what this
0: is. (laughs) just want to make some quick announcements. First of all, yes, it is about a month since our Extra Life game day, and we haven't had any podcasts since then. Uh, The reason for that has been mostly everyone got super busy. Emily is a teacher, and I am currently going through the openings of uh, grad school. So it's been super hectic with a lot of, like, finals and things happening, uh, papers to write, students to chastise. Uh, So we have unfortunately been a little bit on hiatus since then, but we'll talk more about our extra life game day in an upcoming podcast when Emily and Sean can join us. But we currently have, and I'm looking at the website here, we have currently raised as a team $3,373. Now for a bunch of people playing a game out of a house in Augusta, Georgia, I think that's pretty fantastic.
1: Same here. Definitely
0: fantastic. It says our overall team rank as of today, December 3rd, is 331, which is considering there's, what, hundreds and thousands of teams playing? That's pretty good.
1: Hell
0: yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not a big company. We're not some multimedia conglomerate, you know, behemoth. We're just a bunch of guys and girls trying to put together some fun time podcasts and, and blogs and stuff, and that's pretty great. Uh, I'm super proud of everyone. And Jeff, you may not know this, but we are putting together here in Augusta, uh, one last little hurrah for Extra Life. Oh! In two weekends, I will be hosting at Cardboard Castle Games in Augusta a Smash Up tournament, a charity tournament, much like the one we did when we were doing the Smash Up tournament at Dice Tower.
1: Oh, that's freaking awesome! Mm-hmm.
0: People will pay to enter, and they can donate more than the than the entry fee. And every single ounce of those proceeds are going to go towards Children's Hospital of Georgia. So we make it nice and local.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Even if it just raises a couple bucks, it's worth it in my eyes. Plus, Smash Up is always fun to play.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it was definitely fun when we did it at Dice Tower Con. So I'm sure it'll be a uh, hit there as well.
0: I hope so, too. Now, there's less people here than there are at Dice Tower Con. But Smash Up is one of those games that has been popular locally uh, one more important announcement. We have, for the first time ever, a second podcast under the uh umbrella, I guess you can say, growing our multimedia empire one what? podcast at a time. Jeff, you want to tell us what this is?
1: It is a podcast called Half-Elf Privilege. It's where my friends Lloyd, Andrew, and every once in a while, Michael, possibly getting a few others in the rotation to discuss... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's discussing what we've been doing or uh, basically putting our thoughts together on products that that have been coming out. I am currently editing one where we uh, gave our first impressions of the new uh, source book, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Yeah. So that's been a little bit a uh, little bit of a slog, especially since I'm working and I've usually busy during the week so i should have it done by hopefully uh the end of the day
0: Uh, i'm sorry i'm I'm laughing because i freaking love the title of this podcast i need to know who came up with it was it you was it lloyd i feel like this was a lloyd thing it was a lloyd thing yeah that's that's exactly what i thought that that sounds very much like him from the the few times i'm able to talk to him that's very (laughs) (laughs) fl privilege is a brilliant name for a podcast
1: yeah and uh He's a very fun guy to be around. Definitely uh, interesting in his in his picks for characters, but always fun.
0: So I haven't actually played D&D in almost, let's say, a year. Oof. Yeah, when my, my history of D&D here in Georgia, since I've lived here for about, what is it now, four years, I started doing the encounters at Cardboard Castle Games when he opened it and did it for almost a year until I started teaching and then I had to stop everything in my life completely. (laughs) And, uh, after I stopped teaching, uh, I started to put together an actual campaign and we played a couple of great little things here and there. I mean, I I tried to make a good story and, and we got a bit of character development, Emily and Sean were playing, we got Anita to play, Which was the first time she had ever played D and D, and she's not very big on it because it, you know, D and D goes. How long do your sessions usually go for?
1: Uh, We usually do about three, two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, and those are like average, like you know, maybe during the evening thing. We would do the hardcore come around early afternoon on Sunday and play for about six to eight hours. Oh, geez. Well, and you know, and a lot of us like that, and it's because our schedules are so crazy. And I'd like to think that Geek and Spiel is made up of a lot of people who are a lot like hopefully a lot of our listeners out there. People who can't spend their entire time entrenched in these industries of games and movies and stuff like that, things that they enjoy, but they enjoy it casually. And we all love this stuff as well. But we're people with with, with families and full time jobs and dogs with separation anxiety. So <laughs> And Anita didn't like the, the sitting there for the long periods of time, but she did an excellent job role playing as a very hungry halfling wizard. <clears throat> um and her and her little homunculus that she named after a wine. It was perfect. So no. We did that for a while and then it fell apart and I don't remember why. So we tried to reboot it with new characters um, later on and we brought Eric in and we did that one session and it just didn't go well. It was not a good session in my eyes. I was not happy with it and I realized it's because I was super burned out on DMing. So I haven't played D&D in years. I've always been the DM because I was always the one who had the experience. So finally, now, after almost a year, I feel like I'm ready to do it again. So next Sunday, we're going to be starting off with a brand new, you know, campaign. It's going to be me. It's going to be Eric. It's going to be Emily and Sean. Charner's coming. Yeah, so we're we're all going to be there. Uh, I'm not sure if Anita's going to join or not. She's kind of on the fence about it. But we have a little interesting thing happening here. So Caitlin and Luke will be joining us. Now, Caitlin and Luke. They're, very, they're both very busy people. Uh, Caitlin is a public defender. And not just that, but they got a baby. He's just turned one not that long ago. A, an adorable little over one-year-old. And when we are playing for long periods of time, that can take a lot of time out. You know, the kid needs to have attention and, and take naps and have food and stuff at regular intervals. You know, like babies do, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: So their plan, and and you're going to love this is they're both going to play the same character, and they're going to switch off sessions. Uh, Whenever Luke is playing the character, it will be this, you know, like, hoity-toity high elf who thinks it's a wizard, but it's actually a warlock. And then when Luke's not there, it'll be Caitlyn playing this incompetent demon possessing the body, and I am kind of super excited to see where this goes. Uh, It just... It solves so many problems. It solves scheduling issues. It solves stuff like that. And now we've got now now you explain why the character acts completely different uh, every other session. So,
1: oh, my God, this sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's I'm I'm excited to see where that's going to go. Not everyone else has come up with their characters yet. Eric will be playing the same dwarf barbarian he's played, I think, his whole life. It's basically him if he was in D&D. Come so, on. Oh. <laughs> uh, but we're, and we're working with other people. I think we convinced Emily to be a tabaxi, which is a cat person. Yes. Which is really her in a way. Yes. That works out.
1: What class is she thinking of doing? We think she wants to do druid.
0: I think when she was reading the book, she kind of skimmed over the druid part, thinking that in in, in her words that it was some old dude like old religious dude she's thinking of the historical druids and she played a warlock first when we first started playing and she tried to make it kind of nature based and we're like why didn't you just be a druid and so now she's reading about it she's like oh my god and and we're telling her you can turn into animals and she's like what and i think her mind just blew a little bit (laughs) when she found out that not only can she be a cat person but she can be a cat person who turns into wait for it a cat yeah so i'm i'm uh I'm excited to see what other people are doing. Charner's thinking of doing a tiefling rogue. Uh, Anita might play this. If she plays, she might be the same halfling wizard, but I'm going to see if I can put a cleric together for her because I think the healing aspect of a cleric would really go with her medical background interests. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, that might be good. We've been playing a campaign and uh, we've actually been experimenting with a couple of the uh, new subclasses from Xanathar's Ooh. and I, uh, I believe one of us is uh, is a druid, and she's the uh, uh, one of the new circles, uh, Circle of the Shepherd, which focuses more on healing than on uh, shape-shifting, but I know that Emily wants to do the shapeshifting. I
0: have to see that. Now, all these are based off of the stuff from the Unearthed Arcana, right?
1: Yeah, they actually took a lot of them and uh, refined them, and so far... From what I'm looking at, it looks really interesting. I'm going to be taking uh, the uh, Drunken Master subclass from the Monk, but <laughs> we haven't we haven't gotten to that level yet, so I'm looking forward to playing around with it. That's amazing.
0: For for people who are not aware or may not be familiar with D&D, uh, D&D, you play characters. Uh, there are a certain type of race, which is something like a dwarf or elf or human, and you pick a class like a fighter or a wizard or monk or something. And, and D&D is a... Like a lot of, you know, successful role-playing games is a living game. There's a group of people who are constantly, you know, working towards creating new content, as well as the people who play themselves who make up their own rules. But they would release stuff online as free PDFs or articles on ways you can make new characters. And now they finally kind of refined those and play tested them and put them into a book sanathar's guide to everything
1: yeah it's interesting when i finally uh get around to finishing the editing you'll be able to hear our thoughts on it good there are actually 20 pages devoted to names
0: (laughs) oh my gosh i'm i'm both appalled and excited <laughs> Coming up with names is always the hardest thing. It's it's very difficult. Uh it is. You, uh, you know what's weird about like the names of places? I it took me a long time to figure out that the names of people and places were not just a random assortment of vowels and sounds that someone said, this sounds good. They all come from something. And that kind of blew my mind when I was younger. <laughs> like, right? Like, like you and I grew up in a town called Babylon, which was named after, you know, the ancient city of Babylon. And mm-hmm. and they probably named it after, I'm just thinking, wow, maybe they thought the word Babylon sounded cool. But no, it, I'm sure there's some root word or term that means something. And I'm just like, it, it, it both... Illuminates you and kind of takes the magic out of things when you're like, oh, you essentially just called your place farmland in whatever language that it was. You know what I mean? So
1: yeah, no, I know exactly. But also, I have a very hard time doing it because I have somehow put myself in a constraint and an expectation where all of my characters, their names have to begin with G. What? <laughs> so. My first character, my first D&D character, was named Gray. When he died, I uh, came up with a new character, named her Lady Gray. Oh my god. Then, <laughs> so, then I had uh, my goblin sorcerer, whose name is Greasefirebottom. And now I have... <laughs> His
0: name is Greasefire. <laughs> it's just... His own, his own, his greatest weakness is a fire extinguisher. Yes. <laughs> go on.
1: Sorry. And my monk, his name is Genji Brewhammer. I'm starting to run out of G names, so this is gonna help a lot.
0: You haven't gone through all the normal G names. Got to go through Greg, George, Gary, um, Gwen.
1: Yeah, I know, but uh, Georgia. I'm trying to keep it within like. Racial land, like uh, background flair of it, uh, like monk, especially drunken master monk. You're thinking, well, I originally think of the uh, uh, Jackie Chan movie, Legend of the Drunken Master. So exactly there had to go with a uh, Asian inspired name. I know it's Japanese, but still.
0: It's don't worry. It's D&D. It's, D yeah. it's literally just everything mixed together into one. I, I love that in in the player's handbook. And this is kind of weird when they talk about humans as a race you can play. They break the humans down in different sections and descriptions of what they look like. And they're clearly naming like, OK, these are the people from Europe and these are the people from Asia. And these are the people from Africa. And these are the people from South America. And these are like all these different breakdowns. And this is their names. Their names are vaguely like sound like that area of the, of the world.
1: At least they're putting some kind of effort in.
0: <laughs> some kind of effort in.
1: We're actually, the campaign we're doing is Tomb of Annihilation, the newest adventure adventure module that came out from uh, Chris Perkins. The first session was, we invaded a lich's uh, lair, and we were all first level, and one of us outright died during it, so. (laughs) Is
0: is this the one that, does this contain the the Tomb of Horrors?
1: No, that's uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal.
0: Oh, okay, that's the other book.
1: Yeah, uh, this one introduces the continent of uh, Chult. Basically, it has dinosaurs. What? what it, d- yes. What?
0: Dinos- no, no, there isn't. And I don't have there, this in my possession immediately?
1: I know, seriously. It, what the hell is wrong with me? Basically, it's a the classic pulp adventure movies and uh, books. It has dinosaurs it has zombies it introduces a race called the Turtles.
0: oh my god i heard about the Turtles.
1: we also uh i'm not going to go into too much detail but we did some dinosaur racing too
0: this is everything i ever wanted this is this is why i play DD. i need to get this
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh table titans is a web comic by scott kurtz who is the web comic artist and writer of pvp online and other stuff as well. He and the guys from Penny Arcade work a lot with Wizards of the Coast and other gaming companies to do art for them. So he released a, a series called Table Titans about a group of people who sit around and play d and and you see their adventures. So after the first, I guess, season of it finished, they kickstarted it to turn it into a hard copy. Uh, I read it and reviewed it on the website. You can actually find it on there. And I just finished reading the second one, which just came out. But one of the things you got with the first Kickstarter was the Table Titans adventure module for the very first session that's in the comic. But it has nothing at all to do with the story in there. So you could read that story online for free and it has nothing to do with the module. And it's this great little module for levels one through three or so. It's got a very detailed world it builds and great adventures and mysteries and stuff like that. And I'm going to be interweaving stuff from the world I've created into it. And I'm just super excited to do that.
1: Oh, very nice. I've been uh, reading Table Titans for a long time. I'm actually fully caught up with it and I am loving it. Isn't it great? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so good. And I really like the uh, one of the guys made a campaign himself and then was playtesting it. So that's actually
0: really awesome. Yeah, if you're if, if you if you're listening to this and you have never played D&D or you're curious about what it could be like, we could recommend a thousand different podcasts and YouTube shows that show what it's like. But if you have time to sit down and, and really enjoy something fun, tabletitans.com, it's completely free. You can start from the beginning, and that shows you... Uh, it, it's not going to show you what every D&D game is like, but I think it really shows you what the potential what it can be these are people who have fully fleshed out characters that fight and argue and cooperate and you know interact in a high level way now most of the time most D games kind of devolve into chaos and these don't seem to but uh you know everyone turns into a murder hobo
1: <laughs> yep and another one that that's free as well is a critical role geek and sundry's uh thing but that might be setting the bar a little too high because they're all professional voice actors
0: (laughs) and each episode's like super long isn't it
1: yeah it's super long and also they've been playing together for years so it can be a little daunting but it's uh, just a lot of fun they they're actors so they know how to uh, put on a show (laughs) As of late, I haven't been able to play too many board games. But one game that I've been playing very consistently is a game called Hanami Koji, which is uh, a... uh... Hold on one second, sorry. I'm being very professional here and looking up (laughs) who actually did it.
0: We're prepared!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hanami Koji was uh, published by... Emperor S4 Games is designed by uh, Koto Nakayama. It's a very quick, small card game where basically your rival uh, bar owners uh, looking to gain the favor of Geisha. And not Geisha from Memoir of a Geisha. Geisha were a lot more than high-end courtesans. They were artists. They were musicians. Very professional.
0: I don't believe you. Let's move on.
1: I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but the way that the game works is that it's a little bit of an area control game where you're giving gifts to each of the geisha to try and gain their favor. Whoever gains gives them the most gifts gains their favor and you win the game by either getting 11 favor points or by getting... Uh, for geisha to come to your establishment it's an extremely simple game what makes it a lot of fun is that it's just the strategy of it there's just it's oozing with stuff because there's only a limited amount of cards that you can play and i absolutely adore it i'm Jacob, uh, when we played it, you really liked it too, right? Oh
0: my gosh, so this game's fantastic. You you taught this at Extra Life. Did you teach it to uh, Emily?
1: Yeah, I taught it to Emily, Chuck. I've also taught it to a couple of my regular uh, board gaming friends, and they seem to really like it too. It's a very uh, simple game, so it's very easy to jump into, but as you play it more, you get more into the strategy and like, okay, each card has a limited amount. So if I have this, then possibly I can go for this victory or so on and so forth.
0: Oh yeah, this game is incredibly in depth for for such a small game because it is small. It's just uh, it's really just a, essentially a card game, and there's there's bluffing aspect to it. There's a trading aspect. There's a Uh, I pick, you choose kind. I'm sorry, or or I choose, you pick kind of thing, where you like split cards into groups and.
1: Sorry, it's I split you choose. Sorry, I
0: split you choose. Thank you. Um, that that was because I'm an idiot. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, that and yeah, I I'm was quite impressed with it actually, and the art's very nice too.
1: Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Very uh, manga-ish.
0: It it is manga-ish.
1: If that's even a word, it's absolutely gorgeous. I, de- I highly recommend looking it up. It's a cheap, cheap game. I believe when I got it, it was like maybe 15 bucks. Probably, a- I think it was a little less than that. But if you're looking for a quick, simple two-player game, definitely give that a try. And it also happens to be uh, one of Sam Healy's uh, from the Dice Tower's favorite game. Well, not favorite game, but one of his favorite games. He's played that a lot.
0: And, and I understand why. It's very good. It's very hard to see, but we actually used this game as a prop in our Extra Life video.
1: Yes, we did.
0: You set it up. It's the game that you and Anita are playing together, right? Um, in the very opening scene.
1: <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is great, by the way.
0: I still get compliments on that video. People,
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: First of all, this is going to be super quick. I finally got my Kickstarter copy of Gloomhaven, which as of today on Board Game Geek is the number two most highly ranked game. The number one for thematic and number two for strategy. Uh, it was designed by Isaac uh, Childress, I think. Childress? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Childress. Childress. Isaac Childress uh, from Cephala Fair Games. It is a massive role-playing game inside of a box it's it's got you know dungeon crawling co-op rpg kind of building this town of gloomhaven i have not played it at all that's why this is super short because it is this giant intimidating box just filled with goodies and i want to jump into it and i want to kind of try and play it you can play it solo which has me excited so i can play around with it and see what it's like before i bring other people in and, and that way i can teach it but I'm excited to see what, what this is going to be like.
1: I've heard nothing but good things about this game. Tom Vessel from the Dice Tower right now. I'm plugging uh, rival, uh, okay, a rival podcast Okay,
0: Okay, hold on. First of all, they're not rivals. That's like comparing Netflix to public access, okay? They're <laughs> Netflix. We're public access. We're a bunch of idiots coming on, sitting on couches in the background, talking about some stupid thing at 3 in the morning that only appears in, like, some small town in minnesota and the dice tower is netflix i i just looked today to see how many subscribed videos like from from their subscription on youtube how many how behind i am and they had like 20 videos in the last three days Jeez. these people they're they're non-stop they're amazing i mean we're going to yeah. remember we go to their convention
1: yes we do <laughs> we
0: haven't made the jeff convention yet
1: <laughs> by rival i mean like we're like the uh Uh, we're like that little kid who's watching Rocky fight, and we're like, oh, we're definitely going to beat him. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's never going to happen.
0: No, 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 definitely not. I mean, now, now if they wanted to incorporate us into their Dice Tower network, I don't know if I complain, but...
1: He had a whole video series of him just playing it solo. And he does not play board games solo. So you know that that has to have an effect.
0: Exactly. So uh, Emily's birthday was in November, and Sean got her four board games for her birthday. And I'm sure she'd love to talk about them, but she's not here right now. I won't go into them too much, but I got to play one with them that they had never played before. And Sean kind of jumped on it because I think because the art and and the reviews appealed to him. And this is a game you own. And that is Above and Below.
1: Yes. Now,
0: Above and Below is a two to four player game from Ryan Laucat, I think. Locket. Lock well, it looks like Laucat. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: either way. Either way.
0: Locket is spelled like Locket. This looks like Laucat. So from <laughs> uh, from Red Raven Games. And Above and Below is this game where you are kind of designing your own little village as well with cards. You have certain people that you assign to a task every turn they can either build a new building if you can pay for it or they can hire a new person to be part of your town or they can go on adventures into the into the below part which is where they uh you roll a die and you get this selection in a giant book of stories and and someone reads a paragraph to you and you have some options and then you try to roll a die to get the certain options, and sometimes you'll fail, and it will be bad for you, and sometimes you succeed, and you get cool stuff, and a fun little adventure happens. And then at the end of the game, you count up the points, and whoever has the most points wins. And that's essentially
1: it. I love this game. It's a worker placement with uh, basically the story elements from like games like Tales of Arabian Nights. Where you do have that storybook, but it doesn't happen in a super coherent way. So one time you can end up going to uh, finding this underground lake and like having a swim in it. While next you run into the, uh, uh, what was the race? Uh, Glogos, I think? Glogos, yeah. Uh, yeah, run into the Glogos and have to uh, deal with them. It's not a uh, coherent story like you'd see like in like Pandemic Legacy or those legacy-style games. But I love playing it. I haven't actually gotten it out to the table in a while. But one of the favorite things that I love to do is to name my characters. <laughs> oh, God. So, one time... <laughs> one time in camp. No, I'm sorry. Uh, one game, uh, uh, my friend Dan and I were playing, and I just started naming my characters after... Metal Gear Solid characters. There is even one character with an eye patch on it, so I called him Snake. And oh it, the adventures he went on with uh Oh crud, I forgot who I got, but he was the one that did a lot of the adventuring because Snake. That's where I got the fun get the from from it is building up the like those fictional relationships like Oh, this guy fell in love with this guy, so they or this girl, so It could be this guy, Jeff. They could Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so no, either way. I'm just being inclusive here. But yeah. They fell in love, so they go adventuring in the end in the below by themselves. And like this guy's uh really likes this other woman, so so he starts trying to Show his prowess in building buildings and getting other friends and things like that. So, I have fun with it.
0: We we also named our characters as we put them on adventures. I had I grabbed the frog person as quickly as possible. He looks like a frog or lizard <laughs> uh, because I saw him and said, "I need to have him. I I need to have this guy here." And so. Uh, I named him Froderick. <laughs> and uh, and then the guy's named Frederick. And so Sean had both a, like, the robot person that shows up at one thing. And yes. And he had, a, a, like, a fish-looking person. He definitely was, like, a fish person. And he would send them out on adventures together, and it would just turn into some weird, terrible buddy cop thing. And it was, and we had it, we cracked up about that. But, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, we played the game once. We played it with Emily and Sean and Anita Anita seemed kind of bored with it at times. Uh, I'm not sure if it was really up her alley. But I I could see where it was coming from. The game went on very long. So I have a few hiccups about it. I I would play it again, maybe to get, you know, now that I understand how it works. But it's sort of, it's, it's kind of messy a little bit. It's, for one thing, if you're on your turn, it comes to you and you're like, I move this person over here so he can harvest a pear. And that's my thing. And then it goes over to the next person and they go out to the below on the adventure. Well, now they need to roll the die. Then they need to pick who's going to go out on the adventure. Then someone's got to read the adventure. Then they got to roll for it. And then, and that takes up a lot of time. And if you're sitting there and like every single person's going on an adventure and it comes back to you and all you're doing is harvesting a pear for half a second, you're sitting around not doing very much.
1: Yeah, and definitely not. But uh, I like it, the the adventures, because... It tries to get the others involved by having the next person read it.
0: Yeah, this, so it puts that it, in, which is nice.
1: Yeah, it can certainly take a little while, but after you go, after you see them, after a couple of times, you can you can start going snappy more, a little more quickly with it.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I, th- I think when we'll talk about this game more. I think when Emily and Sean come in, because uh, I would like to hear more about what they have to say, and they played it a lot two player, and they had a very different experience of how the game worked as two players than they did as four players. Mm. Uh, We we can cover that more later.
1: Ryan Lockett, he did everything for this game. He did everything. He did the artwork. He designed it. He published it. He is the uh, master of the one-man show. That's extremely impressive. And eventually I'm going to learn the rules for his uh, other game, Near and Far.
0: Mm, and It's a sequel.
1: This one looks fun. It is the sequel to Above and Below, but uh, Near and Far is a uh, more of an adventure-style game versus the Euro-style uh, above of Above and Below. You may like that a bit more, Jacob.
0: Yeah, I'd like to try that out.
1: Yeah, it still has the story elements, but it looks interesting.
0: So one of the things that happened uh, when you came to visit here for Extra Life was I lent you a game, that I used to love very much, but you didn't get a chance to play when it came out a couple of years back.
1: Yeah, no, I I never actually played uh, Shadow of Mordor, and you are never getting this game back.
0: I I don't need it. <laughs> I, I, I played the <laughs> I played the living hell out of it, and I I think I can <laughs> live with myself for a bit. To, yeah, what 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 do you think about it?
1: I I'm in love with it. It is. It is an excellent game. I'm not the biggest fan of open sandbox game, sandbox games like this, but the fact that they have the nemesis system where if somebody kills you, they become a captain and then you have to you feel the need to fight them again and again and again. Ah. Oh, uh do you, do I love you
0: have it. the orc that that has killed you multiple times and just gotten stronger? Because I definitely had that when I first started playing.
1: Yes. Uh there was one I think he got to level 23.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> but I
1: finally I finally killed him, and it was and I'm not even like that far into the story. Uh I wasn't even that far into the story. And it was just like, I finally killed the like, orc. Yes! Yes, you son of a baby.
0: The progression in this game is phenomenal because when I first started playing it, I was having a lot of trouble. Uh I was dying a lot, I was getting hurt a lot, I was running away from battles because I'm like, run away. But as you get stronger, you like slowly start becoming a god and, and and by the end of the game, you're at that cool stage where you're really just kind of plowing through hordes of enemies and sneaking through like entire cities of orcs. Uh you know, you know, it's still challenging at times, but you've got more arsenal behind you. The game is a perfect mixture of of uh the Arkham Asylum combat, the Assassin's Creed sneaking and like tower revealing system, and the nemesis system where the orcs get stronger and more powerful and you can kind of like arrange them and 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 kind of cultivate them into your own personal army is just It was a brilliant game when it came out, and I loved playing it for the first time. I really enjoyed it.
1: Oh, yes. I am adoring this game so much. At times, it feels like I don't know what to do, because there's so much stuff that unlocks. And then it's like, oh, do I want to do the story mission, or do I want to do this uh, kill this captain? Do I want to uh, get more leads, or help these people? And it's just like, it's... To me, it's almost a little too much, so yeah. I don't know how I'm going to deal with Shadow of War if I ever play it, because it just seems like it's bigger. It's more grandiose, right?
0: It, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Everyone says it's just more of the of the same. Now, Shadow of War, the sequel, which just came out, uh, is part of my own little personal, uh, I guess you could say, boycott against games that try to force purchases within the game. It is my understanding from a lot of reviews that the game is a lot of fun. You don't need to worry about purchasing in-game content until the very end where they up the difficulty and make it so that it's a super challenging and super grindy without, you know, paying for a couple of upgrades here and there. I am, I am staunchly against microtransactions Uh, in, in, in most capacities, especially loot boxes and the whole nonsense with the Star Wars Battlefront 2 I'm not touching that game ever uh, because it's just, that's the wrong way to go about it that's a whole other thing, we can talk about that some other time but because it's a one player game and I might try possibly Shadow of Mordor, I'm sorry, Shadow of War later on, but Shadow of Mordor itself, there's a lot, there's times in the game right, where you're doing stuff and then all of a sudden you hear about these orcs battling on the other side of the map and you have a limited time to get over there and, like, interfere with whatever they're doing, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy because, like, one time I was hunting this captain in order to weaken one of the war chiefs, and all of a sudden I saw something pop up. Oh, hey, you can uh, do this mission. And it's just like, oh, I want to do this mission, but I also want to kill this captain. Yeah, (laughs) it's like... It's like these two
0: warlords are fighting, go over, or these two captains are fighting. You can crash them and kill them all. Or there's a hunting party or there's an orc bar mitzvah, you know, like crash it and <laughs> and take their money. Like, it's just, and you're like, it's going to go away in like a couple minutes if you don't do it. So I, I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm going to get lifted on a chair at a bar mitzvah.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it is a ton of fun. I am looking forward to getting towards the end game, but also I'm looking forward to just killing everything. Murder hobo.
0: Jeff, you know what I've been playing a lot of? Well, because uh, uh, now that I have you know no classes, I can actually break into some video games now. I'm working through the Crash games, <sighs> the new ones. They made those games harder. I swear they did. I used to be really good at them, but now, like, the hit detection's all crazy, and the jumps are a little different than in the first game, so... Yeah. (laughs) I keep... I'm falling down places I should not be falling, and, like, missing jumps, and I'm like, I don't think I got this much worse since the first game came out years ago, but (laughs) maybe I have. I don't know. Like, I'm still, like, doing really good at the game in a lot of places, but I... I'm. Yeah. I, I remember playing that game and being at like 99 lives early on and now I'm like struggling at like five or six lives and I just keep dying over and over again <laughs> and I love the Crash games mostly two and three I, I, I don't care about one but two and three were some of my favorite games I played and I'm so glad that this thing came out with them
1: remastered yeah same here uh, I started playing through the first one but then uh, you gave me Shadow of Mordor and that kind of took a back seat. Which is
0: fine, because Crash will always be there.
1: Yeah, I, uh, my my catalog of video games is ridiculous. Uh,
0: I, I've been keeping it low. I'm, for, I'm hoping for the holidays to pick up a Switch and finally play Odyssey.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And to also get uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, because that looks amazing.
1: Oh, it's so much fun. It's
0: it's You played it.
1: Yeah, I'm playing... Uh, I played it and then I stopped playing it again because shinies. <laughs> but what I've played of Horizon Zero Dawn is awesome. It's an open world game, so I'm not too big on that, but just it's it's the right mix of difficulty that it's just like okay, I got to plan this I got to plan out how I take these guys down and it's just, uh, I adore Ashley Birch uh, who did the uh, voice for the main character. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She is awesome. And it's a really fun game. Highly recommended.
0: Uh, do you want to talk about these Amines?
1: Yes. I would like to talk about these anime. So as of late, I've been uh, watching a couple of two new anime and I've been catching up with a an older anime that uh, some people might say seriously Jeff you're getting to this now but the uh, older anime that I'm currently watching is called Tokyo Ghoul have you ever heard of that?
0: Is that the one where aren't they turning that into a live action TV show and or movie?
1: Movie, yeah.
0: That's the one where people are like ghouls and they like eat people and they look like regular people and people hunt them?
1: Yes, basically. It goes into a lot about kind of prejudices and is there a way of having two different peoples live together? Cause like you said, the ghouls they have to survive off of human flesh, which is kind of uh, uh, the antithesis of working together, especially when you have the humans hunting them down. But it's it's interesting because it, there's this whole entire spiral of kill, revenge, kill, revenge, kill, revenge, and it's just like where is this going to end? It's very it's a very interesting anime and. It does bring up uh, kind of the question of, these people i have been fighting for so long, can they actually try to work to live together? And just kind of like the interpersonal relationships there. Yeah, I am loving this anime. It is a very violent, very graphic anime, but if you can get past that, it's actually a very interesting story. So the next one I want to talk about is called Juni Tyson, The Zodiac War. This one is basically it's next to zero story. And it's all about these uh, people fighting each other to the death. And it's a contest to the death. And each person represents a uh, different animal of the Zodiac. So you'd have one person represents the rabbit. Another person represents the monkey. Uh, all of the different Chinese zodiac, uh, Chinese zodiac animals, and again, it's another very graphic one, uh, very violent, but it's kind of interesting where it plays off of the uh, psycho mentality, where you know in the movie Psycho, where you follow this one person for the first couple of, like first ten half an hour i actually haven't seen it in forever so i i'm having yeah, a for, for a
0: good portion of the movie the opening the movie you follow um the that woman whose name, the actress i name not forget her name but yeah
1: yeah uh they started following this one person and she dies in the first episode
0: you'll switcheroo <laughs> uh,
1: sorry hold on one second yeah sorry siri thought i was talking to it
0: Oh, I thought that was Alexa for a second, because Alexa just kind of pops up and starts being creepy out of nowhere all the time. (laughs) You're watching a TV show, and then all of a sudden Alexa's like, I don't know. How do you dismember a body? Let me look. I'm (laughs) like, whoa, whoa. whoa. We are watching Steven Universe. What are you talking about? (laughs) This has got to stop. Yeah, sorry. Go on.
1: Okay, with the uh, Juni Tyson basically it takes that psycho mentality of killing the person that you were following in the beginning of the episode and then it's interesting because each person has a different fighting style and different power I just find I just find it's a fun a little uh, uh no-brainer
0: that sounds kind of interesting
1: yeah I don't have to think about it too much and it's it's really interesting because it introduces like magicish stuff
0: I need to ask a quick question about it yes is there a main character that is a young man in this that is trying to become the best at something in the entire world? No. Okay, because this might just be the target audience of all the ones on our Adult Swim, but I saw a commercial for an anime that they're going to show on Adult Swim, and it is about a young man who, whatever the hell this universe is, I guess it's magic here. He, He has no magic, but he wants to become the most powerful magic person in the world. And I've noticed that that seems to be a trend in anime because I'm, I'm not a big anime watcher. I'm, I'm, It's hard for me to find ones I enjoy. You've showed me a couple I like, but there's also a bunch you showed me that I'm like, no, thank you. And there always seems to be this running theme of somebody trying very hard to be the best at whatever it is they're doing, kind of like Pokemons. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, a lot, a lot of the trend in anime is that Especially the uh, shonen style, which are geared more towards children and young uh, younger people, is that underdog. So the anime that you're talking about is called Black Clover.
0: Yes, that is exactly what it is called.
1: Yeah, it's the trend in, like, One Piece, Naruto, uh, Pokemon. It's just a really big thing because I think it's more of a cultural thing of, like... They really do like rooting for the underdog and just that work ethic of trying to improve yourself, I think.
0: Interesting. I was wondering if there was a a cultural thing behind it, but that's interesting to know because I just noticed that trend. And I'm like, don't they get tired of this after a while? But I guess if that's like the thing that that the genre is really into, then that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, go on.
1: No, no problem at all. So uh, that was Juni Tyson and... To go on the total opposite end of the spectrum of the other two is an anime called The Ancient Megasus Bride. It's a love story, basically. It's about this, uh, ancient mage who has the skull of a, uh, horse or something with horns. And he buys a, uh, girl off the slave market. Magical slave market, I should say. Because she is a very rare, uh, being that comes uh, into the magic world and he's trying to save her from dying because the uh, type of being she is, they have very limited lifespans, so he wants to save her. It has a fair bit of action it has bits of comedy too in it uh, because the mage he he's kind of like a uh, fish out of water when it comes to interacting with people on a regular basis. So, just the stuff that he says and right away out of the gate, he says want to plan our wedding? And it's just like it just comes out of the blue and it's just like, what? I'm actually getting really into it. I really like this anime because it isn't the same hyper-violence. It isn't Kind of like a uh, palate cleanser, I should say.
0: That's interesting. I'm looking at some of the art on Google image search, and I'm glad that there's nothing crazy popping up. And it's kind of this, this Magus is a really kind of spooky looking, interesting thing. I mean, he, he has these flowing robes, and he's always in these dramatic poses that are not like overly dramatic. Yeah, it's just kind of like it's just it's interesting because because uh from what i the little i know about anime and this kind of a stereotype too is they really love to strike their poses and this character never looks like he's striking a pose he just looks like he's this ominous thing standing there weird skull thing with horns and it's just bizarre it's kind of intriguing i could see why this this is would be interesting at first sight that's uh that's kind of cool
1: yeah it's and it's interesting because it also introduces like uh, fairies, dragons. So it has a very wide uh, spectrum of fantasy. It's a modern day fantasy.
0: It's it looks a little Beauty and the Beastish. Yeah,
1: it's based in the modern world, but also you have those huge magical elements to it. Some of the things uh, that happen. One of the things that I'm not spoiling is that that's actually not his true form. The uh, what do you see the Long robes, the gloves. That's the appearance he wants if he wants to go out, and that he mostly shows to people. But there's one where he's just this huge hulking beast, uh, and thorn and vi- thorns and vines everywhere. It's interesting.
0: I might actually look into that.
1: Ah, ha ha ha!
0: <laughs> I'll, may- I'll turn. maybe. I'm sorry. No- nothing. Nothing I've ever seen of anime has been as good as those episodes of Black Lagoon you loaned me because because <laughs> that show was phenomenal. Like it was it was super good. And and so far, nothing else has really from what I've seen has super appealed to me. But um, but yeah, mm. so we're getting pretty far. So I want to jump on this real quick, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, of course. Go right ahead.
0: Have you seen have you taken the time yet to see Justice League?
1: No, not yet. Okay,
0: so I don't think I'm going to talk about it then because maybe we'll talk about it more later. I think you and I need to have a podcast where we sit down and you tell me why Batman vs. Superman is actually not a bad movie and why you enjoyed it and why you're going to say Justice League is probably good. And then I'm going to sit down and just hate you. Just (laughs) hate you. Because I saw Justice League with Anita, and it was terrible. It was Aww. just, oh my gosh. But we're seeing Coco tonight, so that'll be fun. I'm excited to see that. That has oh, gotten nice. a lot of great reviews. It's, what is it, the top grossing film in Mexico, which is fantastic. So, uh, unfortunately, we're going to be seeing it. Uh, have you heard about the thing with Coco, by the way? Have you have you heard anything about
1: that movie? Uh... I, ever ha- I haven't heard too much about it.
0: So, nope. They didn't really announce this when Coco came out. They released it in Mexico first. Highest grossing film in Mexico. It's got great reviews. And uh, when it came to America, they put a animated short beforehand. And it was an animated short based in the Frozen universe. It has all these characters. I don't know what the plot is, but apparently there's lots of singing. And not only is there a lot of singing in songs... It's 20 minutes long. You are essentially watching, you're forced to watch a 20 minute long. It's a, it's a TV show at that point. You're watching a TV show without the commercials before a movie that you didn't plan on seeing. And audiences have gotten super mad about this.
1: Wow. I, I can't blame them. I'd, <laughs> I'd be ripping my hair out.
0: <laughs> so Disney came out and said they're going to be pulling that short starting next weekend. Unfortunately, we're seeing it this weekend. So, when we go to see Coco tonight uh, after Anita gets out of work, I will get to see (laughs) what this short is all about. So, um, and and, and we'll talk about that next time because I'm sure that'll be fantastic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great to hear.
0: (laughs) All right. So, that's uh, everything we're going to be talking about this week. Please uh, stick around. We'll be releasing podcasts as often as we can. And also, please check out. Half-Elf Privilege, Jeffrey's new podcast with his friends there on D&D. This has been a lot of fun, Jeff. Thanks for joining me this morning.
1: No problem. Thank you very much.
0: Once again, I am Jacob. I'm Jeff. And you've been listening to Geek and Spiel.